I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Censored. I'm Aoife Vretnach. And I'm Lloyd Maeve Houston. And we're here to talk about The Graduate from 1967. This is so exciting to me. <laughs> Are you trying to record a podcast with me, Dr. Renak? <laughs> Would you like me to record a podcast <laughs> with you, Dr. Eustace? <laughs> <laughs> you started it now. Don't be looking so scandalized. <laughs> I, I mean, I think kind of might provide a segue into a certain aspect of like the the potential disjunction between what this film is infamous for and what it's actually like mostly about <laughs> i was really surprised to come up against my perception of the film versus watching it carefully sitting with it and paying yeah. really close attention i was like i don't really think it is about what I thought it was about. I, I mean, first of all, it's a great film. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It is, it absolutely slaps. Like, it is such a good film. Yeah, I mean, it, it deservedly has a reputation for being an incredibly important and brilliant piece of work. Yeah, it's, you know, I think along with like Bonnie and Clyde and, you know, a couple of other things that came out in sort of 67, 68, it's, it's one of those kind of, you know, landmark new Hollywood movies and like deservedly so it it does feel like a kind of new or kind of you know fresh vocabulary is arriving in in sort of hollywood cinema for dealing with you know youth and desire and all all the sort of things that this film grapples with it's it's, it's good stuff oh, it's it's so beautifully shot i mean it's so rich First of all, to watch it in the midst of, you know, our winter. <laughs> yeah, gonna, that that Los Angeles sun is just like, oh, God. <laughs> it's the blue pool and the tanned, okay, arguably over tanned skin. I mean, you did kind of have a moment of, ooh, factor 50 lads. <laughs> just yeah, think about oh, it. Oh, boy. Yeah, we <laughs> we are going to be looking at some, some troubling moles, you know, <laughs> 20, 30 years out from this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is it is so lush. And some very like deliberately sexually deployed tan lines actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Oh my god. I <laughs> I was I have to say more shocked by the tan lines than the nudity. Although they I mean they kind of arrive in 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 tandem, right? <laughs> I know, but I don't know why that is. I think that's just some weird flex. But what we should actually do is very briefly summarise, I suppose, what it is about. So it's about Benjamin, who's coming back from college to live with his parents for the summer. He's done very well for himself. Pride, 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 as one character sort of brays at him for that disorienting opening scene. Uh, yes, they are disturbingly proud of him. Uh, he apparently is a track star. He's uh, head of the debating team, all of which seems completely unlikely when you see him kind of shuffle in and you're like, debating team? He can barely open his mouth. Are you like, he just seems the antithesis of all of what they've put around him. Yeah, kind of pinned between a felt obligation to be the kind of young man that everyone is is sort of touting him as and, you know, some incoherent desire to be something else. Until eventually, you know, back in his room, he is barged in on by, or ca- captured by the infamous t- Mrs. Mrs. Robinson. Yes, she comes into the room and she's just like, yeah, just drive me home. <laughs> he's like, well, what? Initially she's like, I'm going to smoke here now. And she's like, do you have an ashtray? No, she doesn't. She puts the ash on the bed, doesn't she? (laughs) Yep. That was what I was going to say. Actually, to your point, yeah, from a kind of 2023 perspective, some of the most shocking things in this are not the nudity or the sort of emotional content or anything else. It's, yeah, tan lines and people just like smoking everywhere and ashing all over themselves and the scenery. (laughs) (laughs) I do think there's something so provocative but also like brazen about how she just puts the ash on the bed because she says do you want to smoke and he doesn't say yes or no he kind of shrugs and she goes oh yes the track star as in yeah of course you don't smoke and then she proceeds to be blatantly a smoker in front of a non-smoker you know there's something so I don't give a fuck whatever (laughs) well it's that it's in in Tarantino movies, people always exert dominance by like eating each other's food or like eat, you know. It, it, and in this, it feels like there's there is a similar thing of like, you know, smoking, like the the transacting of like drinks and like who smokes where, and you know, just all these ways that like characters are kind of exerting their domain over spaces and stuff. That's or kind of you know intruding upon another person's kind of almost like physical integrity in interesting ways. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a very much a power play, the way she smokes like that. Mm. And smolder she does, my, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, she's amazing. And one of the things that annoyed me about when I watched the documentary on the film is they kept saying how the film was all about Dustin Hoffman's character and how he is, you know, what makes the film. And I was mm. like... I mean, of course, it's his breakout role. It makes him into a huge star. But I kind of feel like the talk about the film focuses on Benjamin and Dustin Hoffman way more than it does on the Mrs. Robinson character and how she's portrayed and what she's doing in the film. It's like, why? Yeah, it's it's, it's Anne Bancroft's movie at, at every inch as much as it's Dustin Hoffman's and in many ways kind of more so, right? You know, his his performance only makes sense with 
her as sort of foil to it and you know or with him as foil to her performance for most of these sort of early phases of the of the movie and like in terms of the sort of emotional stakes of everything it's you know she is the more to, to my mind at least the more poignant kind of figure you know by by quite some way yeah I, th- I thought that was really interesting that's how I felt as well I did feel like the arc of the story that we're told is Benjamin disaffected young man needs to find some purpose in life ends up having an affair but sorts his life out at the end and she's just the affair a bit but it's like no yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, I was gonna. Is... I was gonna say we're doing we're doing a terrible job of summarizing this. We we've gone straight into analysis because it's it's so kind of rich and dense. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose just to do the really sort of crude, broad brushstrokes, the the surface level narrative of this, because I think we probably do need to talk about you know what the film depicts versus like how it you know mm. imbues it with significance. But yes, it's a quote unquote kind of coming of age story. This guy you know comes back under all this burden of expectation begins has this affair sort of begun upon him with mrs robinson who is the wife of his father's business partner and i think like you know could maybe taught him i can't remember when he was younger but and they you know spend this summer hooking up um until her daughter arrives back also from college at which point she forbids him from becoming involved with the daughter which is something that his parents very much want to happen and then he throws her over kind of for the daughter which eventually comes to a head with the relationship between him and the mother being revealed at which point the daughter is kind of whisked away sent off to college at which point he stalks her basically in a in a pretty uncomfortable <laughs> sequence until eventually it's revealed that the daughter is under the misapprehension that he raped the mother which is the story that the mother sort of told about what what happened that's kind of clarified he continues to still be really like a creep show to be honest <laughs> uh, until she he sort of browbeats her into marrying him at which point when that's revealed as a possibility the daughter is again whisked away he does the kind of like you know drive across the country sprint through the city get to the church on time thing and just at the point that she's you know you may now kiss the briding he has that you know kind of famous moment banging against the glass that i think the simpsons has done the best sort of parody (laughs) and they he like battles his way through the church hits a bunch of people with a crucifix Um, they like jams the door with it they sprint out of the church together get on a bus and it initially seemed very giddy and happy with their you know elopement together until maybe the tone shifts but i guess that that's the point at which we can talk about sort of tone in this movie um but yeah so it's notionally his kind of you know coming into his agency but in fact maybe is something very different <laughs> discuss yeah. we we have to discuss it in relation to the cuts that the censor made because otherwise mm. we'd be here for four hours <laughs> <laughs> instead of two so if we want to talk about i suppose the cuts that the censor made because it is passed on appeal Mm. it is initially banned uh the censor first of all says no bloody way distributors appeal it 
And after 11 cuts, it's passed with an 18 certificate. So you have to be 18 or over to watch it in Ireland. That, that's maybe something we should just briefly touch on is that we're at this moment where the structure of film censorship changes slightly. We have so we have a, a new censor appointed, but he's kind of m- much of the the same. But there's a new appeals board, and with them comes the introduction of like limited certificates. So there's like over twelves with an adult, then there's over sixteens, then there's over eighteens, and then there's over 21s which is i think very seldom used mm-hmm. but but yeah so there's this finally this sense after you know 40 years or, or more that actually maybe what's suitable for a 10 year old isn't the same thing as what's suitable for a 30 year old <laughs> so adults can actually get to see this film but they don't get to see the film that we watched <laughs> <laughs> again the film that they must have gotten to see makes no sense <laughs> No sense. I mean, we're working here from Kevin Rocket's brilliant book, you know, the film Censorship Bible. And he goes into detail of the cuts. And I suppose the first one, if we're talking about tan lines, (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they got to see anything apart from the tan line, you know, of when she comes in the door and she closes the door and turns around, you get to see the first shot is just her shoulders up and you can see that she has a tan line. And then the camera kind of does these quick cuts of various naked parts of her body. <laughs> it's, it is an amazing kind of sequence, both, both in terms of having, you know, a real sort of frisson to it, but also just being really funny. Like it's, it's kind of focalized through his absolutely paralyzed, like, oh my God, there's a naked woman. I have no idea what to do with this um and, and and that's kind of simulated by microsecond sort of cuts to like a nipple um like you know the, the tan line where her underwear like her you know uh above her hips it's you know it's just flashes of like usually accompanied by dustin hoffman um just kind of making these like whimpers <laughs> yeah these kind of noises in his throat of oh oh god like he hasn't even gotten as far as saying oh god or swearing he's just which is also something that gets cut. So there's some very, we'll, we'll cover this, but yeah, some very significant, you know, Jesus God knows that just, nope. <laughs> I love the sequence that, with the with the cutting because it is, I don't know where to look. But of course, when you don't know where to look, you always look at the thing you're not supposed to be looking at. So <laughs> he is, of course, going, naked person must not look. Ooh, naked, 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 <laughs> naked. <laughs> So they cut that. And some of the film's most famous lines. So they're like, are you trying to seduce me, Mrs. Robinson? Would you like me to seduce you? You know, that that goes as yeah. well. Um, I think also that kind of, you know, I was surprised by how briefly it lingers on screen. But you know, that very famous shot, shot from under her stocking leg. Mm. I think even that's gone. Yes. Um notwithstanding it being like the image of this movie yeah in the film uh poster art that is one of the key selling points Mm. so i don't really know what film poster they (laughs) used or how it made sense but yeah so there's a there are some of the most important iconic moments of the film cut but i suppose the part that disturbed me the most is the part where they are in bed together and they have their most significant conversation because they don't mm. really do a lot of conversation that isn't quite transactional. 
and quite blunt. But this is when he tries to talk to her. He's like, can we not just talk for a change? And she eventually reluctantly gives in and they have like a proper conversation. And much of that was cut. (laughs) This moment of where the kind of physical nudity is finally matched by you know a similar sort of emotional exposure where she talks about how the only reason that she's married to her husband is because she fell pregnant and that you know compromised her studies like she you know was studying art but now kind of you know talks about it with like deliberate disinterest and it it becomes clear that she's this very sort of thwarted figure but the thing that I find really disturbing about the sort of cuts to this scene is you lose all of the stuff where she you know, communicates how confined her life has become. But the one thing that makes it through is the moment where Benjamin's like, well, yeah, this is the most perverted thing I've ever done. I am ashamed to come here and, you know, spend time with this washed up alcoholic. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well if you have a home but you're not always at home you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host so the film the censor is like yeah you can be misogynistic to this woman that's fine like you can you can say that it's her fault and that this is disgusting but we can't humanize her (laughs) yeah that was devastating to me because I found that particular exchange so moving in terms of what it's trying to do about the adult persona of Mrs. Robinson as opposed to what we think the film is about which is about the young man coming of age. This is about someone who has come of age but whose coming of age was determined by an accident, an accidental Mm. pregnancy that because of the morality of the time she felt she had really little choice but to marry the man who had fathered the child. So she's she's become trapped by that decision and she's still trapped 20 years later and she's in suburbia with no options, no outlets and clearly did not have a vision of herself as suburbia. I think the fact that she was doing art is very telling, that she was doing something very creative that was possibly going to lead to like a sexy job in New York. And instead she's sitting in the burbs smoking cigarettes. And like exercising power in the limited way she can, right? I mean, she's she's almost invariably costumed in like leopard print. And, you know, their house looks kind of a bit like a jungle or a hot house. Um, you know, we're, we're back in Eleanor Glynn territory here <laughs> in terms of... <laughs> sexy you know sort of feline voracious figures but like the way that she sort of toys with him is clearly 
meant to be some kind of compensatory measure for like the disempowerment she otherwise feels and there's a really telling moment sort of late in the movie um during that whole you know kind of oh we're gonna like elope together you know let me get you out of the 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 church stuff where her mother you know where, where mrs robinson whose whose first name we never learn which i find I quite know, telling yeah rounds on her daughter and is like it's too late as in you you know the the marriage has taken place now you can't go off with this guy and elaine says it's not too late for me which you know th- there it is oh right yes yeah, absolutely initially you sort of one might be prompted by the film to think that her objection to um, Benjamin having a relationship with her daughter is principally born of being I want Elaine to not be involved with anyone I want her to have the opportunities that I didn't have but it kind of becomes increasingly apparent that maybe it's it's more vindictive than that that it's kind of I don't want her to have the opportunities I didn't have or yeah I was very confused by that actually because when she says to him, you know, you must never take her out. And he's like, yeah, sure. And then she's like really emphatic. She pulls his hair and he's like, okay. I mean, he had no intention of taking her out in the first mm. place. But there's something very powerful about her possession of her child there or her possession of him. Kind of the yeah. two together, yoked together. And the whole film turns on this kind of like intergenerational question of you know sort of agency so some of the there are these like delicious sequences early in the film where you know benjamin on his 21st birthday emerges in scuba gear (laughs) and is forced by his parents into the (laughs) swimming pool and then you get like pov shots of him being forced into like they're trying to drown him but this thing of yeah like parents particularly sort of Pre- you know pressing their children into certain kind of life paths and or even forcing them into life paths just by negation like the mm. the whole question of would benjamin have become as infatuated with elaine as he did if he hadn't been forbidden from doing so and the whole the lane is so strange in that he ends up running away with her and that's getting married to Elaine is exactly what his parents wanted. <laughs> yeah, he, in terms of the execution of it cinematically, like the whole thing has this real fucking like pizzazz to it. The, the momentum of the film is so behind this and it's like, yeah, you've, you've, you've rebelled into exactly what your parents wanted you to do <laughs> and then you wind up on a bus with someone you barely know as the air slowly seeps from you and the sound of uh, the sound of silence starts playing again and you realize that maybe maybe this is no escape at all and you're still <laughs> alienated <laughs> well according to the documentary i watched that final uh shot as they're sitting there and they kind of look a bit freaked out as the enormity of what they have done sinks in that apparently was just the director, Mike Nichols, just left the camera roll. That wasn't mm. like built into the script or into the instructions for the actors. He just left it on them to see what they would do. And of course, you you can really feel that, that tension as they're like, is it over? Should And you see like, you know, Hoffman, like sort of a a smile flickers back as if he's, you know, kind of like, do I need to still be holding this? And then it kind of (laughs) dies away again. Even it's I mean, like Mike Nichols, he he got best director for this. And by God, it's deserved. Like it is such a good kind of exercise in like 
control and like framing um the director of photography um is also like exceptional work like it's such a the visual language of this movie does so much of what like it, it kind of the way it often operates in tension with like the dialogue or the kind of framing of scenes to sort of you know really give you a sense of what's happening is so good <laughs> we have to talk about the cuts though at the end that you know the scene in the church yeah the cuts imposed by the irish censor oh. there which <laughs> wild just wild as we said benjamin arrives into the church big hubbub they start to run away he she joins him at the back of the church and they're all kind of fighting and there's a bit of a melee so he needs a weapon and what else is to hand at a church except a cross <laughs> that was handily by the front door. So he picks up the cross and starts wielding it around as if it's some sort of battle axe. He scares them all away with the cross. They run out the door and then he closes the door and he uses the cross to jam the handles together. And then the, the shot is of them running hand in hand down the driveway and you can see the door held together with the cross. Um Benjamin trying to kill people with the cross, not allowed in the Irish version of this film. <laughs> the board still had a, a, a Catholic and a Protestant member of the clergy on it at this point. I think it's worth <laughs> pointing out. <laughs> the appeals board did. Um, They'd be wildly offended that you of the church to aid your elopement. Yes, your 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 kind of extramarital um because they I guess like in the at least, I don't know if the you know registry has been signed but the the rights have been you know you like she is married to your man like yes. religiously um so you can't swing a giant gold crucifix around like a <laughs> like a bludgeon <laughs> and it's it's such a i mean i don't know what the the film must have looked like with these cuts because i just can't imagine the ending they presumably are in the church and then suddenly they're outside the church without really having a fight. That must have been what happened. He knocks her father down and beyond that, they would just sort of like teleport outside, basically. <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you know, th so much of what makes this film sing are those sorts of, you know, small details or those, you know, th these little kind of either dry kind of tonal moments in dialogue or little flashes of, of, of sort of flourish. And the censor in this instance basically manages to go through and just cream off everything that like takes it from being a sort of conventional coming of age story with this, you know, sort of added element of like, ooh, the mother into being something like really special. So it's just, yeah, such a kind of weird neutered version of the film by reducing Mrs. Robinson's proposition, which is like deeply shocking, to <laughs> a flirtation, which is just slightly awkward, perhaps. But, but also, like, it the, with her sort of proposition, it's simultaneously like there's the like the, the film does and doesn't present it as scandalous. Like, it's really interesting the way it's sort of you know, she executes it with such sort of elan. It's clear that, you know, she knows exactly what she's doing um, and how to handle this guy. Um, paired with his gratification, her capacity to kind of manage him, mm. but also like the just the delicious comedy of how sort of wrong-footed he is. Yeah, 
it it makes it a more old-fashioned like issues drama of like you know this predatory older woman you know rather than that it is in the in the film as it actually is rendered yeah it is very complicated with questions of her control and his complicity they just it goes back and forth in ways that you're like I mean, he is an adult, but at the same time, he's not. And also, when she makes the proposition, she comes in and she closes the door behind her. And he says, Mrs. Robinson, open the door. And she doesn't. And she Yeah, she locks it and she interposes herself naked between exactly. him and the door. You know, and there's <laughs> like that is such a like, whoa, that is that is creepy. But also, it's not creepy the way she does it. <laughs> some strange way it also like len resonates with what he does in terms of like his manipulative behavior toward elaine and the way he intrudes upon her like it's you know there's a sort of russian nesting doll of like people exerting kind of coercive control over one another in this movie there's something really fascinating about how in the pursuit of you know a kind of more conventionally sexually sanitized version of this story the film becomes so much more misogynistic (laughs) yes and what it also does in one of the cuts is really let the benjamin character off the hook when he really is horrible to elaine when they go on the date and he takes her to a strip club yes yeah yeah so just to explain the sort of plot element of this if you haven't seen the movie he this is after he's been told in no uncertain terms you know you are not to go out with my daughter um and his parents sort of you know force his hand pose a like oh well we'll just have the all of the robinsons over for dinner which for understandable reasons would be the most awkward thing in the world can Um, you imagine wow (laughs) (laughs) he's like okay fine look i'll take her for a date and then he goes on to kind of try and imagine like the worst possible date he could take her on so he like drives like a maniac barely communicates with her takes her to a strip club and then you know humiliates her by by you know in the way he talks to her while she's there but again in a way that the film makes like really dryly funny it's something like you're 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 missing a great show or like you're missing a great kind of sequence or something like he tech you're missing great technique as someone as this woman is like spinning her tassels um and then he's like can you do that um which is you know what what tips poorly and just kind of weeping at which point he's like, oh, sh-. like, I-, I actually do feel some sympathy for her. And he takes off his, you know, sunglasses and lets her, lets her in a bit. Yeah, and they they cut the sequence with the tassels on the boobs, obviously. And like, without that, the full enormity of how much of a shit he is, is really reduced. You know, you really are like, he's being rude, obviously. But you kind of know that he's in a difficult position. But with that particular moment, it just goes way beyond just being rude. It's so exorbitantly cruel to this, you know, poor young woman who it's very like she asks him, like, have I done something to you? Like, is there a reason you you hate me? Like, what what did I do to deserve this? I mean, she has no idea what's going on. She's just been asked out on a date by someone who she probably knew as a child even afterward they sort of go outside and he's like he makes an effort toward explaining himself and he sort of apologizes but pretty just about at the point at which he sort of stops crying he also kisses her and like i do think the film is cognizant or wants us to be cognizant of all that being kind of intrusive as well Mm. you know like like elaine bless her like really is something of an innocent in all this and like really trying her best you know she 
he tells her eventually that he's been involved with some, you know, there's a point where they wind up at the hotel together um, and everyone in the hotel, because he's been going again with her mother, everyone in the hotel is like, oh, hello, Mr. Gladstone, <laughs> you know, like recognizes him, like all the staff are kind of saying hello to him because he's been there so often um, under this pseudonym. And so she asks him, like, what, you know, have you, and he sort of comes clean. And she's like, well, that's fine. Like, you know, it's like she, she really does seem to be just a pretty level-headed, kind of open-hearted person. And he's a complete shit to her. And then he stalks her <laughs> and coerces her into, like, being in a relationship with him again. Like, it's notwithstanding the fact that it's a film from 1967, like, the, the film wants you to recognize that that's not good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although I had a tiny moment of... Yes, it is stalky to go all that way. I mean, to move into a lodging house and to spend your time hanging around a campus looking for someone. But on the other hand, before mobile phones, there was no real way to know where people were except to hang around. <laughs> yes. In the, in the hopes that they would walk by. I mean, this is, you know, experience from college. You would just go to the whatever canteen it was and be like, they're often here at half twelve. It's worth a shot. It, it struck me in yeah in a very sort of mobile phone kind of way that like elaine is gone and you'll never see her again it's like you couldn't do it like yeah. <laughs> you know in an age of social media there is no hope of that <laughs> yeah the last act of this movie would just be like goes on instagram finds wedding location <laughs> yeah because somebody will have put a picture of the church match yeah. the picture of the church there you go <laughs> it's like asking like oh should we go get the blood test together um, what was that about? So it's it's uh, in order to get a marriage license in the in the US, you you have to test negative for syphilis. Good God, still? Yeah, I I don't know to if if it's to this day, but I'm I'm all but certain that's a Wasserman test. Yeah, <laughs> crikey. Yeah, because you know, I mean, at that stage, you would still have had sterilization laws on the books in some US states. Like, there's it was still constitutional at that point. Like, so eugenics is still a part of american uh sort of and and, and kind of medical um, oh, sort of law at this point it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucked up it's, yeah it's just really gross isn't it <laughs> I, I should have known you'd know the answer to that one because when it popped up i was like why are they talking about a blood test for why yeah. no i was like oh yeah no i've, I've got this one <laughs> queen of syphilis that you are <laughs> jesus no no that's the, no that's not no that. no 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 it's it's an epithet I, I will i will happily take <laughs> being in a position where throughout your entire phd people can just walk up to you and be like so lloyd how's the syphilis is um in public settings is that was great <laughs> loved that for me <laughs> look if you can style that out you can really get away with anything i have a really fun fact actually about the artwork for this oh, movie yeah. for the graduate. <laughs> I heard this on the radio and then I checked it. <laughs> and it's true. But do you know who Sue Ellen from Dallas was? I, I'm i familiar with Dallas more through like parody and, you know, kind of clip shows than the the full bore sort of experience. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a wee shade too young. Okay, for our older <laughs> listeners like me, uh, Dallas was an American soap opera that was wildly popular in Ireland, and I presume everywhere <laughs> else as well. But Sue Ellen was married to J.R. Ewing, the main bad guy, and the actress there was Linda Gray, 
And fun fact, Linda Gray is the one who's putting the stocking on in the poster. Ah, okay. So the poster is not kind of a frame from the film. It's like that that was a staged sort of still. Or is it that she was the leg model in the... I think she was the leg model in the film. Damn. Yeah. She was paid $25. <laughs> no residuals. So she didn't make any money afterwards. I was going to say, absolutely immortalized. It sort of it reminds me of, um, uh, you know, the, the, the woman who's painted gold in Goldfinger um, in the credits isn't the actress who plays character that gets painted gold. These bodies become iconic images, yeah. just, you know, bodies in the moment of the film. Absolutely. <laughs> Loved watching The Graduate. Yeah, this, this, no, this was a, an, an utter delight um, and a completely unexpected one. I mean, it's also, it just made me watch more Mike Nichols because I had not realized that Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was him. Which, you know, he, in in the space of two years, his first movie's Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and then this. And it's so, you know, he's up for Best Director twice, Best Picture twice. Like, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, I think, was was up for every Oscar category it was eligible for. Um, like, he just storms it. Um, I think one of only 18 people to ever get an EGOT, like Emmy, Golden Globe, Oscar, Tony. And apparently that little strange strangled sound that dustin hoffman makes as benjamin <laughs> was borrowed from mike nichols right. he used, he had that little tick sometimes when he would be nervous <laughs> or excited and hoffman heard it and thought that's good it's, it i mean it it works like the um yeah that that first moment when he's confronted you know having sl her slam the door he, he lets out this little whimper and it is just the funniest thing <laughs> <laughs> he is a cornered animal <laughs> <laughs> there are so many funny movie moments though actually i'm gonna tell you you can tell me your favorite <laughs> one my favorite one is when they're in the hotel room for the first time and he's trying to work out what he should do and he decides well obviously i should kiss her so he goes and she's leaning <laughs> nonchalantly against a table she has a cigarette in one hand she takes a drag. He comes and stands right in her space. And he goes to kiss her and then he goes, <clears throat> puts his head aside, goes, <clears throat> and she's got the smoke in her mouth. And then he leans in and kisses her. And she's holding the smoke. Yeah, she has this. And then she lets out this long exhale of smoke. <laughs> yeah. I thought, I was like, that is fucking brilliant. That is perfect. It's those little, like, kind of details that make the whole thing sing. There's, I mean, yeah, I, I have, like, a, a Rolodex of, of lines from this that really crack me up. But I think my my favorite just little dry thing is, um, much as I, yeah, you know, Benjamin's a bit, is, is in sort of full unpleasant mode at this point. It's in the zoo whenever um, the, the date is striding toward them. Um, and he's like, he's a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a little kind of dry pissy thing he's a very good walker <laughs> and it's nice to know that those two examples we have cited were not caught by the Irish censor yes Im Im impervious to <laughs> to censorship but yeah if you haven't seen this listeners like st strong recommend it's it's a a real delight and 
we haven't even talked about the soundtrack either, right? Like, you know, the the, the use of Simon oh, and yeah. Garfunkel is it's good. I mean, you could talk about this film for... I mean, there's so much in yeah. it. It's just... But we can't do that because I have to edit. <laughs> 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 